0: Byron, the thing is, they're they're going through these studies the whole week long of class, and they're giving up time that they spend earning to supply food for their families. They're sacrificing just to be able to be there, and then sacrificing to do it, overwhelming sacrifice for them, and the exciting thing about it is that
1: they have this training free of charge. It's our conviction that a national pastor is best equipped to reach other national pastors in his own country better than a cross-cultural missionary. We exist, therefore, to equip national pastors and leaders to accomplish the Great Commission. If we train pastors to win souls, disciple the saved, and train others to do the same, we have applied the scriptural principle of 2 Timothy two two that yields spiritual fruit. Hi, and welcome to this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Today, I want to introduce you to a couple of gentlemen here from Training Pastors International. We have the President, Greg Moore, and the Executive Vice President, Mike Delisle. Gentlemen, welcome to Bot Radio Network here on Mid-South Viewpoint. Thank, Thank you, you very much. much. Now, Mike, you're not a stranger to this program. Nope. nope. And it's hard to believe, now it's been four years since we got together and talked about TPI. That's right. Now, you were for, what, nine years or yes. 10 years? No, right at nine right years. Right about nine years, mm-hmm. the pastor of Evangel Church, where my dear mom attends. Yes. <laughs> and you recently felt God leading you away from the pulpit ministry at Evangel to team up with this guy, Greg Moore at TPI. This wasn't a new experience for you because you've had some experience traveling out of the country, I think Uganda,
2: I believe. Or where did you go? No, I do have experience traveling with TPI. I've been in Colombia. I've been in Peru, Argentina. And we met in Honduras, actually, before TPI was started. But yeah, since the beginning, I've had a connection with TPI and been able to see what God's doing around the world, and it's been a privilege. Now, Greg, you're originally from from Grenada? From Grenada. You are from Grenada.
1: Can any good thing come out of Grenada? That's <laughs> exactly right. <I> <laughs> That's
2: exactly right.
1: Now, did you guys meet at seminary? You both attended Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary. Were you students there at the same time? <laughs> No, Mike, you're much older than I, I am. <laughs> yes, yes,
2: No, we were separated by a bunch of years at the seminary. We actually met in 97 uh, when I went to Honduras on my first trip out of the country, and he was working with the Bible Institute down there. And so we met then, but we are probably at least 15 years separated at seminary, maybe 20. Uh, <laughs> all right. It's, it's, well, <laughs> it's hard to see that the years have been much harder on me than Greg. So. <laughs> but it was not Honduras, Greg, that you
1: went on a mission trip. As a pastor in yeah. Grenada. No, it was in uh, Lake Charles,
0: Louisiana. Well, that's right.
1: Lake Charles, Louisiana. You were pastoring there uh, and took this mission trip to Honduras, the first mission trip you'd ever been on. I, I really just need to qualify this.
0: I'm a comfortable pastor in a small church in Lake Charles.
1: Who liked their Cajun food, right? Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> my
0: goodness. My wife calls me. We have five children. Uh, my wife calls me and said, I just got a call from a nurse that delivered our last two children. They've just got back from a mission trip to Honduras and are going to have a picture party. And I said, that's great, honey. She said, and they've invited us to go. I said, well, that's great, honey. She said, and I want us to go. I said, honey, that's great. She said, and I want you to go. I could think of about one or two, three thousand things I'd rather do than go see somebody's slides of a mission trip to Honduras. It's kind of like looking at pictures of somebody else's grandchildren. Wait, wait, my grandchildren are great. <laughs> i sorry. Yeah. sorry. But I didn't really get it, but I was willing to go. And I remember that night getting in my extended minivan with my wife and myself and my bad attitude. And it was a tight fit in that minivan. So the
1: bad attitude <laughs> filled the rest of the seats, right? I tell you. And on
0: the way over there to, to this doctor's office to see the pictures of— a slides to a mission trip to Honduras, you'll never guess who showed up. The Holy Spirit. Yeah. And he began to prick my heart about my bad attitude. And I remember turning to my wife and saying, honey, I'm sorry. Please forgive me for the attitude that I have about forgoing. And I'm grateful that the Lord gave me grace in that moment because he had so much in store for me on the other side of that confession, of the side of that repentance just to reveal other things that oh, were waiting.
1: Oh, Greg, I love that. I heard a story Mr. Bott, who founded Bot Radio Network, shared when he was driving through St. Louis, and the passenger in his car was Dr. J. Vernon McGee. And they passed this one church in St. Louis, and Dr. McGee went on to tell Mr. this story. You see that church right there? I wanted to be the pastor of that church. And I went in view of call, and I preached my heart out to that church. And I just knew they were gonna call me to be their pastor but they didn't call me. And he said, I got angry with God. God, why didn't you call me? Shortly after he got the call, the Church of the Open Door in LA, which really launched the entire through the
2: Bible ministry as we all know it. So it's interesting, isn't it, Mike? Yeah, it's always amazing for me to see when we look back, it's like from a faith standpoint, what looks like reckless on the front, we're looking forward to what he's called us to. And from our perspective, it seems reckless. When we get past that step, it looks like justified faith yes. because we see all that God had in store, all that he's done. and It's amazing to see he does that time after time after time, yet we always come to it with that trepidation and God is always faithful. Well, was it's there, amazing.
1: Was there a, a moment where you got wrecked about TPI in the sense that, God, I think you're calling me to leave the pastorate of the evangel after nine years and the people I love
2: to go do something completely different? I would say it's multiple wrecks. Um, because of really my own kind of hesitation at times. You know, it's a difficult place to come to absolute surrender. You know, our whole lifetime is spent pursuing that. Yeah, there are multiple times where you start thinking, can God be leading me here? Is there a different path than what maybe I've seen for myself? And so this year has been full of those times with the Lord. Love the people at Evangel, every one of them. But then to see what God has done through TPI, not just in my life, my family's life makes you dream big dreams. Sound biblical training
1: to over 1,300 indigenous pastors in 13 countries around the world. I mean, Greg, the website shares the countries as you mentioned a moment ago, Argentina, Colombia, Nicaragua, Cuba, Dominican Republic, Haiti, Mexico, Paraguay, Peru, the United States, Venezuela, Uganda. I mean, God is up to something. It's all been organic growth. Byron, we've never gone
0: to anybody and say, can we train your pastors? Would you please come to our training? We've always only responded to invitations and requests from these countries, from pastors, will you come? And been heartfelt cries, will you come? Please, please come and train us. And we were in a study when I was pastoring in Louisiana called Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. And it talked about the principle of God is at work. Always God is at work, and we need to see these requests as invitations from him to come and join him there in where he's working. So when we would receive a request, our first was in Honduras, and then the second was in Nicaragua. In that first year, we received a request from Nicaragua, will you please come here and train us? And I, I'm being green, and I'm just starting this with my wife, and we don't have the resources, and we're wondering how we're going to feed our five kids. And But when the Lord calls, there's only one acceptable answer, Amen. and that's, yes, Lord. Yes. Uh-huh. So we began each class like that, and in
1: all of these 14 days, different countries it reminded me of a little song that miss joyce rogers the wife of the late dr adrian rogers came up with one time it says uh, i'll say yes lord yes to your will and to your way Mm -hmm. there's more to the song i don't remember but i just remember that part right there i remember that song you remember that saying yes to your will and to your way Mm -hmm. and gentlemen boy that can be tough sometimes.
2: Yeah, it, it can be. But, you know, you have the stamp of authenticity. You know, Greg mentioned just a second ago about the organic call. God calls and then he gives a desire to be trained or prepared in the hearts of these men. They pray God answers that. But there's always been the stamp of authenticity that it's, it's God generated. And to be able to witness that, see it, and then step into it. Yes, Lord. Yes. Yes.
1: I just listed several countries you know, around the world where TPI has a ministry. Can we just go into the lives of some of these pastors? What is life like for them where they live? What's the day-to-day like for many of them? Uh, in Cuba, when we
0: began there, I remember being in our first class and we'd gotten a, a notice from the government that we were not supposed to be doing that and had to go and report to immigration and I went with the pastor because I thought they were they were going to scold the pastor. And on the way over there, the pastor told me, no, they want to talk to you too. And I thought, oh my, what have I done? Uh, we got there and immigration told me, oh, you didn't understand our laws. But this pastor knows that can't happen. He can't speak or teach in church without a religious visa. I remember going back to the class and I was really discouraged, and I told the man, it looks like the Lord's closing this door for us to begin training here. And they've cried out for that training. And I left and went back uh, to the place where I was staying, and one of the men followed me back. I got to the door of the house that I was staying in, and he touched me, and he said, Pastor Greg, please don't give up. Please don't give up. I've been praying so long that God would give me this opportunity. But I never thought that he would let me have it and let me have it right here in my own town. Please don't give up. Today, that man is coordinating our work in Cuba. And we've been there for for 20 years, training men and have trained thousands upon thousands of men there.
1: Oh, that's beautiful, gentlemen. And you mentioned Haiti, which we know is turmoil and disorder and chaos basically in the country. What about the pastors there? You're still able to go, or what type of contact do you have? What's happening with the ministry there? We had a class in Dominican Republic, men that we were training, uh, and those men
0: graduated, finished. But during that process, one of the men came up to us to say, I'm from Haiti, and the men in Haiti need this training, and uh, I would like to see TPI go there. I told Patricio, I said, our desire is to equip you to take TPI there. And that's exactly what happened. We trained Patricio, and Patricio uh, is there teaching the 48 men there in the class in Haiti, and they haven't graduated yet. They're they're finishing their second year, about to begin their third year. But the class number has not diminished at all, and look forward to see what God is going to do in that.
1: Going back to these pastors, I mean, their home life, how are they making a living? They're obviously not making it being a pastor. Are they having to have, a, Mike, another job or something that they do for a living, a craft or a, a skill or an employment that they do to be able to provide for their families?
2: It varies depending on the country you're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way mm-hmm. the classes are structured, for instance, in Argentina, recognizes a lot of times that they have other jobs outside of... You know what they're doing as a pastor. If you get in a more remote village, just say we're talking about Colombia, and you get something down in the Amazon, it's a completely different look. They may they may canoe up a river for days, fishing to sell the fish to buy the gas to return after the class. And so the lives that these men are living is as varied as the nations that they're coming from. You go to Kampala, Uganda, it's going to look a lot different. It's the Kingdom work, and it's it's varied. But these men have that. Again, that united call.
1: What about the curriculum? How was it developed? I know you guys are both seminary students, but how did that part of I a mean, very important part of training pastors here for the curriculum, how did it get developed?
0: Mike, you wrote that curriculum, didn't you?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Mike thought you were Not wrote
0: it even close. It was written by Dr. Dennis Mock from Atlanta, Georgia. He is the founder of Bible Training Center for Pastors. And he wrote this material while he was uh, serving on staff at First Baptist Church in Atlanta. And it's been translated into 35 different languages. In Spanish, when we began, there wasn't any curriculum that was methodical and sequential that covered all of the bases that need to be covered to equip a a pastor preaching Mm -hmm. except this material. It starts off with Bible study methods and biblical interpretation Mm -hmm. as the first class. They learn the challenge of studying and preparing the Word of God, and then they learn rules of interpretation, how to do that, rules to follow in understanding. You observe what the text is saying, then you can interpret what the text is saying, And afterwards, you apply, but you can never observe what it says and jump to an application without running off into a ditch. Yes. And and so they learn what it says, and then they learn what it means. And after that, they learn how to apply. And that's just in the first class. And you're talking about men who are coming from a hundred different denominations, walking into that class and learning for the first time how to study God's Word and how to do it together, and they leave overwhelmed, uh, eyes opened, excited for the challenge.
1: How long does it take these
0: pastors to complete these 12 courses? 12 courses, they usually take, depending on the culture, like Mike said, they usually take one course every quarter, four classes a year, and they finish in three years.
1: You mentioned a moment ago, Greg, that these invitations come to you to come to these various countries. Right. Uh, How do those in the countries that maybe have never heard of TPI, the message gets there somehow that there's this organization? Yeah. So I was in uh, Me Too Colombia
2: a bunch of years ago, and we're teaching a class that is really composed of three or four different kind of tribal groups. And it was incredible to watch. We would teach and it was being translated into Spanish and then from Spanish into this tribal dialect. And then it kind of went its way around the room and just watching it was amazing. But after the class is done, what happens is there is further in the Amazon, there is another tribal group that hears that there's training being done. They send almost like an emissary in and say, will you come teach us? It's like wildfire. It's like a brush fire. Wow. They hear it. They see it. God gives evidence to it. And we hear a call. And it could be a man who walks in out of the Amazon to one of the villages we've been in and communicates it. These days, we'll get requests by email. I mean, it, it, it comes in every way that the Lord has has put it out there, but it's amazing to watch. Oh, I love that. And as you mentioned, as you
1: see that brush fire begin and move among these pastors, in many cases, it's not you going to these other areas, but they themselves who've been trained mm-hmm. moving to Absolutely. these other areas. Absolutely. And are you seeing that these pastors are receptive to doing that? Absolutely.
0: That our whole ministry is built on the foundation of equipping these men to equip others. Our whole ministry in South America just began out of being at a mission conference at a Baptist church in South Carolina where I had our booth showing Training Pastors International and there was a indigenous pastor or Argentine pastor in the booth right next to me, who had a church planting ministry. And I said, well, we train pastors. Is there a need for what we do in your country? And from that, thousands of men who would not have received biblical training have had the opportunity for it.
1: Has there been any statistics on the pastors that you've trained over the years, through their ministries, more churches have been planted? Mm -hmm. We have these students for three years only for three years.
0: But during those three years at every class, we asked them uh, a question. Have you, have you shared the gospel with anybody since the last class? Have any of those prayed to receive Christ? And are you involved in planting uh, a new church, a new work? And during that capsule, they have reported sharing the gospel with over a half a million people. <laughs> And 130,000 of those praying to receive Christ and planting 4,500 churches just during that capsule of three years that they're studying. And we've been doing this for 20 years, and I have no concept of all the glories
1: that God has done through that. Well, gentlemen, this is definitely a work of the Holy Spirit. As you see, the Holy Spirit speaking to the hearts of these men. And just how he works. We just recently had a pastor's appreciation luncheon. where We hosted about 220 so pastors here in Memphis. And Alan Jackson from Alan Jackson Ministries was our speaker. And he challenged the pastors basically to speak truth to this culture, no matter mm. what the cultural changes are. Mm. And I was just thinking about these pastors in these various countries, because many of them, they might not see the same government leaders more than a few years. I mean, there's changing all the time life changes, and I'm sure the economy changes, just like it does here. But the truth of God's word, no matter governments or
2: no matter economy, no matter what, stays the same, Mike. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you think about how is it that we confront a lot of the turmoil that's going on around the world? So we know what we've got going on in our nation. But when you look at all these other nations that we're involved in, how do you confront that? How do you step into that? Well, it's by transforming hearts. So whether it is in a more socialistic country, whether it is in uh, Colombia, which has one sense to it, whether it's in Venezuela, uh, whether it's in in Uganda, the, the common way to address it is to see God change men's hearts and then to be able to speak truth, be truth and light in these nations. And so absolutely it's how you change the world, and God's been doing it You know, one person at a time.
1: Well, it seems like these pastors really are excited to receive the training. You've given so many amazing stories of their excitement of that. What about follow-up? You said that there's three years there in Bob with these, the program, basically. Do you have follow-up, or is there any uh, extension courses <laughs> after they finish the 12 that they can continue with other studies? or?
0: Yeah, that's a uh, common question that we receive. The quick answer is... No, uh, because we've trained and been involved in the training of over 20,000 men. It, it would just be an, a nightmare, impossibility for a small ministry uh, founded by a boy from Grenada to to be able to to do all of that. But our focus is really on preparing the men to do the ministry, and let's let
1: God see what he's going to do. Amen, amen. We've been talking about various countries, and I know there's different characteristics these pastors face living in these different countries. Do you have any examples of specific challenges that these pastors have to face in their ministries?
0: Where do I start? Uh, the, when we began the ministry in Honduras, it was with men that at best have a sixth-grade education, at best. Most of them uh, walk around with their machetes, and and they plant beans and corn, and they chop firewood for their homes. I mean, that's how they live. And then to sit at, and study God's Word, study through the whole Old Testament in one week of 45, 60 hours, they're studying through that. It becomes an overwhelming challenge for them. Byron, the thing is, they're, uh, they're going through these studies the whole week long of class And they're giving up time that they spend earning to supply food for their families. They're sacrificing just to be able to be there and then sacrificing to do it. Overwhelming sacrifice for them. And the exciting thing about it is that they
1: have this training free of charge. I was about to ask you, was there a cost involved? Sliding scale or anything? I mean, you offer this... Free, Mike. That's right.
2: Again, because of the different situations and economic environments that they're living. I mean, use that example. There wouldn't really be a way to incorporate a charge in there and it would cause hesitation. And uh, what we have found, and there's been, there's been debate through the years uh, about you know, the value of it, um, but we have found is that God has been faithful to keep those men's hearts stirred and to keep them engaged. And it's been a privilege because of the donors we have Because of those who give to the ministry, we are able to, by God's provision, provide it free of charge. Well,
1: I love this. Okay, what are some ways that our listeners can pray for TPI and the pastors that you train? But that was a coordinated nod. Wasn't That's right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you know, the
2: the list is 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 long. Uh, I mean, I think from a standpoint, the first one we have started with is is provision, because we are meeting students that don't have access either because of uh, geographical issues, because of financial issues, resource. And so, one of the first things is to pray uh, for resource to uh, you know to give, I mean, that's, that's an important thing. But also these teachers, uh, these national coordinators and teachers to pray specifically for, for them, that the Lord watch over and protect them, give them travel mercies. They're traveling in the night. They are uh, in Cuba. We ran into the issue with just being able to get gas, not knowing if you go there, if you're gonna be able to come back. And so praying for these national coordinators and teachers Uh, They're giants. Every time I meet them, I feel like I'm walking with giants and uh, uh, definitely lift them up.
0: The commitment of these men that we have trained that are training others now is overwhelming. Most of our teachers, we have 20 teachers full-time with us. I say full-time. They're full-time available to TPI to go. We give them an offering for every class that they teach. TPI provides all the resources for them to go, provides all the materials for the students. But the spirit of these men and the commitment, we have men that have been with us since the beginning for over 20 years. Every teacher that comes on board, at least 10 to 15 years, every teacher. And it's not because of the financial wealth that they receive, because it's nothing like that. The commitment, their opportunity to serve, their commitment and love for the Lord Jesus
1: spurs them on. Do you ever invite US pastors to join you on maybe training pastors in the various countries where you serve? If so, how would somebody go about, like if you're wanting to even expose the ministry of TPI
2: to pastors here in the States? Yeah, there's a couple ways. And this really goes back to my time at Evangel. How do we engage the local church here to impact the church around the world? A couple ways. One is obviously giving. So a church can engage by putting their resource toward what's happening with these teachers in different nations. The other is uh, we have some that get involved in, in teaching a course that is called Pioneer Evangelism, where they may bring a team and they teach that one course because it's It's one that's not as academically rigorous as the other classes are. And so you can then get personal face-to-face interaction with these pastors. The other is when we're starting in a new nation, as we start, and this has really been new with Uganda, where we train a team of people from churches here in the States to go and train those first Teachers, So we're, we're trying to stir up, set the siege for those who will carry it forward, who are the nationals. Uh, we'll go teach these 12 classes for the first three years. And at that point, we see, you know, those men train and go carry it forward. So those are the
1: ways, really. Yes. Training Pastors International. We have Greg Moore and Mike Delisle from the ministry here with us today on Mid-South Viewpoint here on the Bot Radio Network. Gentlemen, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing your hearts, your passion to train pastors in these various countries where you serve and what God's doing. This is so wonderful. Praise God for the work he is doing among these pastors. Well, if folks want to learn more, Greg, discover more about what's happening. You have a website, I believe. At trainingpastors.org. TrainingPastors.org is the website. Go there, friend, please, and discover more about Training Pastors International. Well, that's really all the time we have. Mike, Greg, God bless you, my dear brothers. Thank you for what you're doing to invest in God's kingdom. Thank you. It's been a privilege. (laughs) Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint here on the Bot Radio Network. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.
2: If you would like to listen to today's show again or share with a friend, go to BotRadioNetwork.com and look for Mid-South Viewpoint under the broadcast tab. The show is also available on your favorite podcast platforms. Some shows have video of the interviews as well and can be viewed at Byron Tyler Radio on YouTube or on our Bot Radio Network mobile app.